from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. It's good to be here today. I'm Carrie Janice, one of your hosts, and I'm here with my co-host Mike Walsh. Hey Carrie, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm great, and uh, you're only recently back from uh, Italy, right? Yes, I actually think I'm finally over the jet lag. So <laughs> I heard once that it takes, for every hour you're behind, it takes a, a day to to come back. So I'm back just about a week now, so I'm... I'm recovered, but you uh, yours wasn't just a, a, a typical vacation to mm. uh, to Italy. You actually it was sort of a personal pilgrimage, right? Yes, that's correct. So it was not a vacation. Um, I would definitely call it a pilgrimage because pilgrimages are tough, and this was tough. Um, oh no! <laughs> but it's only because we took a two year old with us to Italy, so a seven hour flight there, an hour nine hour flight back Oof. with a two year old, multiple train rides. Um, although he loves choo choos and airplanes, so that was great. But it was a little <laughs> little difficult. Um, it, task but well well worth it spiritually and, and that's also part of a pilgrimage is the spiritual um what it, what it does to your soul what it does to you and so i'm all charged up from the faith i'm freshly oh, yeah. coming off of not not that we need these recharges but um you know jesus himself retreated jesus himself did things to pull away and, and to just pull away and, and immerse I, I agree with you faith. i think we do need those recharges yeah, I guess we do. you know but i think they're important it is true well i guess we need the recharges i didn't need it to like solidify my faith, my oh, faith. You, you know, is that it part's to, true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 my faith would be exactly where it's at, but it actually just charged me back up to want to do more to share and evangelize. So, the reason we were there was um, was a personal intention for my husband and I. Uh, we had, uh, you know, to make a very long story short, which could be its own probably podcast. We had a, a long, long struggle with infertility about ten years, uh, the first ten years of our marriage, trying to conceive, and we prayed and prayed to a lot of different saints. Especially the the main go to Saint Gerard Magello, who is well known for helping women conceive, and a, a few other saints mm-hmm. uh, along the way, Saint Gianna, and a few others who are, who are known for that. And someone gave us some advice to pray to Saint Anthony of Padua, and uh, we said, "Well, these other saints didn't get it done for us, so hey, we're, we're willing to move on to another saint." Not that we ever left the other ones behind us. I still have a great devotion to Saint Gerard, especially, but uh, Saint Anthony of Padua was uh, the one who we prayed. We prayed this prayer. It was called. Uh, miraculous prayer to St. Anthony for, mm-hmm. for uh, causes that seem helpless. And, and that's really where we were at in that time. And this is about, at that point, about eight years into the infertility struggle. Yeah. So we prayed heavily to him. And, um, you know, during that time of prayer and that devotion and asking for his intercession was when our prayers were heard and we conceived. And we now have our son, John Paul Anthony, so named after St. Anthony and also after St. John Paul II, who has always been my husband and I's uh, just number one. We're, he's our number one saint. Like, we're big, big fans of his. So. Ah, that's wonderful. So where did you go so, during that your, your pilgrimage? Yeah, so we, we wanted to give thanks to both of these saints, um, St. John Paul II, just for, for being such a so close to our hearts. We went to his camp back in 2014, my husband and I. And I think at that moment, we always knew if we were having a son, that name was solidified for his first name and then for St. Anthony um, for his middle name. So St. John Paul II is in Rome in the Vatican, St. Peter's mm-hmm. uh, Basilica. So right on the right-hand side, when you walk in right after the Pieta is St. John Paul II's tomb. So that was our first stop was Rome. And we prayed there by his tomb in Thanksgiving for our son is myself, my husband, and my son. Mm-hmm. And that was the first stop. And then- And was we, that the, your first time having been there? 
Fourth. That fourth was our fourth. Time. So oh, okay. his canonization, St. John Paul II's canonization was the first time. Second time was I went to Mother Teresa's canonization in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then a priest of our diocese, Father Nevitt, his ordination to the diaconate was also held there. He was studying at the North American College at the time. So we went to that. And I was also pregnant at that time. So my son technically was there in the womb <laughs> at, his, at the tomb. And we have a picture from that moment. But this was now, you know, he was here with us um, in, uh, after being born now. To, he's almost two years old. Which was the other reason why we went, because he flew for free, being under two years old. So everybody out there, your child flies for free. He's on your lap, or she's on your lap. But it, uh, yeah, it was another deciding factor as to when to do this pilgrimage. And then we moved on, um, traveled north from Rome to Turin, which uh, we went to the where St. John Bosco is mm-hmm. in Turin, and also Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. We saw his tomb, and we saw the Shroud of Turin, where that is kept, and uh, many other beautiful sites. The Alps in Turin, gorgeous to yeah. just view. We moved on from there to Padua, and in Padua, of course, was St. Anthony's tomb. Beautiful, the Basilica of St. Anthony's. It's just tremendously beautiful. Yeah. And then um, from there, we moved on to Venice to fly out, because there's an airport in Venice, and St. Mark is also, the Cathedral of St. Mark is there as well, so we went there as well. And so many, several other, actually, saints along the way, their tombs, St. Luke's, um, St. Jacinta, or not just Jacinta, who's a patron saint of Turin, and um, many other saints, so it was cool. We really had a great time, and you had a you had a, a little stowaway too, right? Didn't you? Wouldn't you bring a seminarian with you or a, a, oh, a traditional yeah. well, deacon had, with you? We had somebody. Yes. So <laughs> the other deciding factor in the timing to go um, was Deacon Peter Gallagher, another seminarian for our diocese who's studying at the North American College currently. He's in his last year. He'll be ordained a priest, God willing, this June. He was on break. So they, they take their finals the beginning of February, and then they have a two-week break. As long as they don't spread out their finals, they have an option to do that. But he, he got his all done, and he had a two-week break. So the second week of his break, he spent with us traveling north from Rome. Um, he met with us, met up with us the, the second day of Rome and continued on. So he was there um, on the train rides with us and, and everything else. So he stayed in the same uh, cities that we stayed in. Uh, we said, My husband and I stayed together, and he stayed in a separate location, but each morning we would meet up and travel on our ways. And he was very knowledgeable to, of course, of the language, which was a big help, but also very knowledgeable for him of just the different sayings and what he knew about them when he, along in his studies, some of the different things he could point out to us. It was nice, like having your own personal tour guide with I was, you. I was actually thinking about that, because uh, you put him to work a couple of times, too. The uh, you, mm-hmm. you For anyone who would like to see more of uh, Carrie's pilgrimage to uh, Rome and, and the north of Italy. Uh, if you go to her YouTube page, her show YouTube page, Youth Ministry Insights, um, on either Facebook or Instagram, uh, you'll actually see a lot of the videos from her trip, and they're outstanding. And uh, your husband, by the way, was delightful in all the ones you oh, had. Oh, that's great to hear. He was. He was really cute, or he was really good. And then your son was very cute. He was almost on point every single time. Yes. He sort of went, he went sideways a couple of times. Yeah, and you but, hear him in the background of some of the ones as well. He might not be pictured there, but you hear him sometimes. But it was really great. It was, it was for me, sort of being able to watch from afar, who has never been to Italy mm. in any capacity capacity. So I, I get a lot out of, uh, of seeing other people's travel logs when they when they travel sure. like that. Um, so it was like I was I was a little bit there with you and seeing these yes. moments in your life. And you're you're very open about you know a lot of the trials and tribulations you've been through, particularly when it came to uh, uh, motherhood. 
um, it was uh, it was really touching to see just how moved you really were being out there. Also, how uh, you know in terms of your you know I'm a PR guy, your delivery was outstanding oh, every well, place you, you went to. Um, but your conversations with your husband and with uh, uh, Deacon Peter was re- were really great and very informative. So I really appreciated yeah. that. Well, thanks. Yeah, we we you know it, it, when you travel like that, especially in the faith, and we call it a pilgrimage. It, mm-hmm using social media to be able to share that with others. In the past, when I've gone to Italy and other places, I'll post pictures, but this was the first time doing video for me. And I thought, this is such a great opportunity to just evangelize to others and bring others, as you said, along with you that maybe don't get the opportunity to be at that exact place um, at any point in their life, but at least they could see the great beauty of it. And every time I go, like I said, it is a recharge because you feel, wow, like our faith is so rich and like, what we see here just in the States or maybe where we just live in our little corner of wherever it is, New Jersey or wherever else you're mm-hmm. living, there's so much more out there and that's more even more rich because we're, we're a baby country. We haven't been along so long with some of these basilicas built in the 1400s, 1500s, yeah. and you're thinking, man, there was no power tools back then. These people had real <laughs> faith with their hands up building these cathedrals. They're just immense and incredible. And yeah. that alone to me just speaks so much. But then to see some beautiful relics in the in uh, Turin in the one cathedral underneath is just over 4,000 relics of mm. saints and blesseds. And you're just like, wow, you know, St. John Bosco incorrupt to see his body. Yeah. It's incredible. So these moments of faith, uh, they are really what truly... Um, just keep me so 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 connected in so much depth to to who I am it, it really does help shape my faith in a really deep way and and to look back and see wow those 10 years for us as difficult as they were as I call them they were my my that was a big cross for me mm-hmm. and now we're in Easter Sunday forever with our son um, and to look back and say wow we, we got to give thanks for for both that cross and now what we have yeah. and and this great and then to see him running through the <laughs> basilicas, and and there was a, one of the one of the fathers who was there. He was a Franciscan, so he had his, uh, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the word. Their their rope were the cincture on. Excuse me, his cincture. And my sons, they're playing like playing with it, pulling on his cincture, and he's just playing along with him. And I'm like, this is what this trip was all about. You yep. know, it yep, was yep. great. Yep, that's that's really wonderful. I, I, you know, I, I genuinely, truly enjoyed it. And I, I hope people, if you haven't considered a pilgrimage of your own, whether you go with a big group, mm-hmm. as uh, as actually the Bishop of Camden is on a, a big pilgrimage right now. We're recording this two days before Ash Wednesday. Um, he's on a big pilgrimage right now to the Holy Land and to and to Assisi in Rome, along with about fifty six members of the diocese. And actually, if you want to see those videos uh, that are being hosted by one of our other uh, uh, YouTube hosts, um, Donna Ottaviano Britt, you. Can go to her um, Facebook page, uh, Diocese of Camden, Office of Discipleship and Leadership, and see a lot of the travelogue she's put up. Actually, I think you inspired her. As a matter of fact, she she told me <laughs> fed, fed up. She's like, how am I going to compete with Carrie? Oh, she's Carrie's doing a so phenomenal great. job. She, she really is. She surpassed me. I <laughs> I laid the groundwork, and now she's just running with it. <laughs> I got to admit, that was that was pretty nice. But the two of you together actually yeah. did an outstanding job. So if you've never been on a pilgrimage, like I've never been on a pilgrimage, um, you know, I, I hope that uh, you'll see what what both Carrie and what Donna and and others have done very recently, and the people that I know that have been on pilgrimage 
marriage has been really moved by them. Mm-hmm. It's just a great opportunity. And yeah. it's and as everyone says, and you kind of alluded to this at the very beginning, it's not a vacation. It's it's, not. it's oftentimes very uh, physically demanding. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be walking the Camino, mm-hmm. but you know, 500 miles. But it it is still a lot of moving around, getting up early in the morning, and being out all day. Yes. Um, though, if you go with our vicar general, who uh, who runs a lot of pilgrimages in the diocese, he does make sure you're well fed. I'll, I've gotten lots of positive <laughs> feedback about the Listen, food. Listen, when you're traveling, you need to eat because there's right. some really great food, especially in Italy. We, yeah. we had gelato every day, if not twice a day, <laughs> which we loved. <laughs> and actually, on that point, we're going to transition to what our topic is today, where we're actually going to talk about uh, Lent and the things that we're giving, we'll be up, giving up things. So if we've, <laughs> no we've, more ice cream. <laughs> that's right. So um, we actually have a special guest with us today, uh, a rarity. Uh, this will be the first time that uh, a priest from my parish has appeared on uh, any of my Talking Catholic shows, the podcast, the YouTube shows, anything like that. So we have with us uh, the administrator of St. Bridget's Parish in Glassboro, New Jersey, Father John Rossi. Thank you for being here, sir. Thanks. Great to be here, Mike. No, no, it's, we were, it's good to be here with Carrie, too. Yeah, so back glad a to long have time. Everybody likes to be here with Carrie. Nobody cares <laughs> about me. Everybody loves Carrie. Uh, matter of fact, when we talk about uh, getting guests nowadays, I always go, Carrie, you, you ask, because they'll say yes to you. <laughs> you might say no to me. But um, the, uh, you know, we, you, in addition to being the administrator of the, of, um, the parish, uh, something else that we've talked about quite a bit on this show is you uh, also work with the Catholic Campus Ministry at Roan University, which mm-hmm. is a part of our mm-hmm. parish. Our, our parish is a bit unique in that way. We're considered a university parish, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, so you have the university parish, you have the terrestrial parish, and then a territorial parish, and then we also have a Hispanic ministry uh and class pro. So you sort of wow, have to- Father, you do a lot. I'm the one priest there. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yes. God bless you. Good work. But I'll tell you, it's, it's a very vibrant parish. It and is. if I can say that in the past six months, I've noticed it's even become more vibrant. So I think people are really gravitating to mm, you, uh, awesome. Father John. That's, that's really impressive. And I wanted to thank you as a parishioner for doing such a great job at the parish and yeah, thank you, Mike. I'm a former parishioner St. Bridget's and former youth minister there too right. so it warms my heart well, I was to thinking we met way back when when you were in college at yes, uh, Rowan University at Rowan. so we're connected in a lot of right. ways I was a seminarian mm-hmm. and I was assigned to Father Maz to go once a week and visit the Newman Center yes and that's where I met Carrie yeah. Yeah. exactly times. where mm-hmm. yeah yeah, because we're pretty close in age, so you were going through seminary and I was in college. Right. I'm starting to think of you, Carrie, as a seminarian whisperer. <laughs> See, there seems to be a lot of connections with you and our sem- seminarians. The, um, and all for the positive. Exactly. The, uh, well, we need priests, so hey, if I can, whatever you if can, I can do, help, I will help cultivate You got that golden that. touch, so you keep doing it. So the topic for today is, since we are recording this two days before Ash Wednesday, uh, is we want to talk about Lent. And this is something we do on our podcast on a regular basis when the seasons come around. We had Father Maz on to talk about Advent uh, and late November. And we wanted to talk about Lent because I, what I've had to do in my own life, um, but I know this is often uh, a hurdle for other Catholics, is I don't think we have this great gift of seven weeks um, where we can prepare for, for you know, the, the most important celebration in, in the Catholic calendar. But those seven weeks, you know, I always feel bad if somebody might waste them. You know, mm-hmm, where sure. they didn't take advantage of something, or, or worse yet, they don't understand the concept of Lent in general. So, Father, you know, just sort of right out of the gate, you know, what what should Lent mean to us as Catholics? Well, I think it was cool that we started out talking about Carrie's journey, a pilgrimage, because that's one of my favorite images of the Lenten season. It's a journey with Christ into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And if you remember in the Gospel, Jesus 
went for 40 days, 40 nights into the desert to be tempted by the evil one. And that's what we model our Lenten season on. We try to uh, do what Christ did. He fasted, he prayed, he gave of himself. And this is the time for us as Catholics to participate in 40 days, a journey towards Easter, towards renewal, towards new life. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And we think about when Jesus did pray and fast, like, I mentioned it earlier, like he retreated back, like how we each need that in our lives as well to retreat back. And Lent, what are some of the ways that you would say we can do that? We can pull back, reflect, retreat in any way from the normal everyday life, the busyness, the craziness, uh, the go, 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 never have a minute to reflect, never have a minute to stop and think. Where, where can Lent bring us in that? What do you think? Well, I think Lent is just typically a time of restraint of pulling back, um, pulling back from a lot of the noise that we have in everyday life so that we can reflect more on God mm-hmm. and build our relationship with Him, get to know ourselves better, and reach out in love to other people. So I think that the Church has always proposed these three disciplines of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Mm-hmm. Fasting is denying ourselves, you know, giving up some type of food or drink that we enjoy, but it could be other things as well. It doesn't just have to be something that we consume like food, but it could be um, giving up a favorite TV show, giving up listening to music, giving up a, a favorite internet app or social media, something that mm-hmm. we enjoy doing, and using that time to f- refocus on God, recognize our hunger for God. And I think that's really a very important practice that even Christ modeled for us in his own lifetime. Yeah, I see it very often on social media, especially Facebook. People, Ash Wednesday, put up the whole post. Okay, see you guys in 40 days. Or they put up the, you know, the Lent going off Facebook for their profile picture, different things like that. I've seen it so much. You probably have two minds. You know, and I'm of of two minds about that. Only because, Mm -hmm. I I, obviously, I don't have, have two minds of sacrifice i'm of two minds about giving up social media maybe it's because i do pr for a living nowadays but i get so much out of so, like i know there's a cacophony of information and we're living in divisive times and sometimes a lot of stress and stuff like that but i take great joy in seeing the successes of the people in my life and because i have a very busy life sometimes i can only communicate with people via social media so yeah, i hate to give sure. that part up however i do that I, i'm of that mindset too i never give it up yeah i never give up social i feel media. like it's not it doesn't take over my life. It just adds a little joy to it. Right. And I'm exactly, I'm the same way. But it's way. a balance because there are people that are in balance, which is probably those ones that give it up. But you know, every year I have, and I, and I don't want to make this just about, oh, Len is giving something up. Right. I know it's, that's an important element of it, but it's in many ways a, a smaller element as opposed to all the other elements of Lent. But since we brought it up, I have been struggling with an idea of what to give up for Lent. And just listening to you talk, Father, I realized, oh. I'm giving up Netflix because <laughs> ah. I of late recently I have been spending way too much time binge watching on mm. Netflix late at night like 10 I o'clock I should recommend this to my husband too he's, to, no, he's no Netflix yeah, yeah. The, um, but um, I think I, I'm thinking I'm going to give up Netflix so thank you for giving me some guidance it was like a moment of yeah. epiphany right there I appreciate that Great. so so all joking aside um, so giving things up as part of Lent is is important. Sure. You know, now I've I've seen though a sort of a counter argument to that where we as opposed to the sacrifice of giving up something Lent, there is the doing something 
instead. Sure. Kind of like, I mean, would that would that still right, work? That, that ties in with the other two disciplines of prayer and almsgiving. Mm. So when you think about prayer, prayer, the basic definition is lifting up our hearts to God. And we can always grow in prayer. Every priest, deacon, sister, layperson, married or single, all of us have room for improvement, I believe, in the prayer life. We can always delve deeper. We could always try a new form of prayer and challenge ourselves to grow in our relationship with God. So I would really encourage people to try um, different forms of meditation, get into spiritual reading, pick up the Bible. I think a lot of people... Um, neglect reading the Gospels and getting to know who Jesus actually is through those stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's powerful when you really take some quiet time. Instead of watching a show on Netflix, go into the story of Jesus. Mm. Delve into that. Put yourself as a character in the story. Imagine it. And then meditation is taking from that, thinking, what does this mean for my life today? What am I going to do about it? So I really think um, prayer with the Bible is key and a great way to grow in our prayer life during the Lenten season. Almost like Alexio Divina, as you mentioned here, putting yourself into the story and imagining it. Right, and now that's really the key to understanding other great prayers for Lent. For example, the rosary. The rosary is based on all biblical stories. And sometimes people just say the prayers, they get repetitive, but they don't think about the mysteries. They don't think about the actual stories of Jesus and Mary and what that means for their lives. So that might be a challenge. If someone prays the rosary already, are they really meditating on the mysteries? Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I could take that one to heart myself for sure. I I fail at that sometimes. And another great example of a biblical prayer is Stations of the Cross. Oh, yes. All of those, Mm -hmm. the 14 stations, are based on Jesus' journey to Calvary. And we can take so much food for thought from that. Right. And it's it's very moving. There's there's been a lot of conversions through people who have uh, participated in the way of the cross and realize how our sins put Jesus through that. Mm-hmm. And real repentance is saying, I'm so sorry, Lord, for doing this to you and I want to avoid sin in the future. And you know, it's so important to make a good confession during Lent, but I think Stations of the Cross is one of these meditations that really wakes people up. Yeah, I know many parishes offer the Stations on Friday night. Traditionally, they're prayed on Friday nights or even throughout the week. I know here it's a Friday night, so maybe, do you, does your parish offer it? Is it a Friday night thing We for are you? actually, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're gonna have soup in Stations. So we're okay. gonna have a Lenten soup at mm-hmm. six o'clock and then 7.15, We'll have um, Stations of the Cross followed by Benediction with the Blessed Sacrament. Oh, beautiful. And I'll hear confessions after that. Oh, that's great. For as long as people are available, like they need to, to go to confession. Yeah, that's another thing that parishes also do is uh, the soup and scripture or the soup and stations or different things. They offer a, a small meal and then something spiritual after. I know we have guest speakers for three weeks in a row giving like little talks on different topics of the faith. It's n- nice to see that increase. So we're... You know, we want to go deeper. Okay, now the parishes are supplementing what we need to go deeper with something they're offering. So that's great that your parish, every parish does it a little differently, but it's great to hear great things go on. And the fellowship aspect of that, too. An opportunity where we we get to come together. Because oftentimes I feel like Lent, there's a, there's oftentimes a, a solitary feel to it. Like even the sacrifice, we tend to give these things up by ourselves. Um, or if we go to one of my favorite things has always been going to adoration or holy hour or something like that, where it's usually just me sitting in a, in a pew, just sort mm-hmm. of meditating. 
Um, but being able to come together as a group and remind us we're, we're all in this together, like mm-hmm. even particularly during these, yeah, let's face it, um, it, oftentimes Lent can be considered a trial. You know, it can be a trial of the soul, a trial of whatever we're our spirituality, where we really start to look in on ourselves. And that can be troubling for some people. So knowing that you have other people to turn on, to turn to, that's helpful. Yeah, the community aspect is very important. Really. Yeah. I think really that's one of the keys to getting the most out of Lent, to see it as a whole community, the whole family of the church yeah. doing this together. Mm-hmm. That we don't just think it's all about us, but we, we gather together and we're on the journey together. Yeah. And I think that's that's why we gather more frequently for prayer services and mass stations, mm-hmm. all of that as a community, meals together, because we're better together. We grow, we can learn and share our faith together. That's very true. And I think along the same lines of stations, I know um, I offer this for our youth ministry, and I'm sure maybe different religious ed classes and stuff offer it, but even watching The Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's Passion, um, mm-hmm. you said it's how powerful. the stations, you know, oh, yeah. it's basically like praying the stations just with the visual aid mm-hmm. uh, helping you. It's a very powerful movie, so I would recommend that to listeners. If I come across people that still haven't watched it. It came out in, I think, 2004, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. And there's still people that say, I never saw that. I'm like, you never saw it. It's I think people great. are fearful of it. I mean, yeah. it's a very powerful movie. Mm-hmm. And it, I remember I, my wife and I saw it in the theaters when it came out, mm-hmm. and I remember looking over and watching her crying because it was so... So difficult mm-hmm. to watch because sure. Mel Gibson did a great job of really capturing well the passion, the the the, the pain, the anguish that Jesus was going through, um, and I think that sometimes for some people it can be too much. But I still recommend that they they sort of gird up and and watch it because yes. it's it really will touch you and it, and it puts you know it's it's rare that we can actually understand what Jesus went through. And you can't help but understand at least mm-hmm. the physical torment mm-hmm. of what he went through. Father, have you seen that? I have, have many sure? times. Yes, yes. Yeah. and you would agree. It's... It was powerful, especially the first time seeing it in the mm-hmm. theaters. I was in seminary. We went as a group, all the seminarians. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, really. Yeah, it always touches our to heart. to consider how much Christ went through for us. Sure, our love. Yeah. So we're getting ready for Ash Wednesday. I know it's it, when we're, they listen to this, it probably have passed. Right? Yeah, when, but, they, when people listen to this, it'll be the first Monday in Lent. Yeah, so okay. happy Lent, everybody, because we're in it. <laughs> but it, with the, with the start of Ash Wednesday, I, I always reflect about the ashes on our forehead and and going out to others and basically saying we are we are sinners. Like I know I'm a sinner. I recognize that. You know, can you give us any like thoughts or? priestly words on you know recommendations and how we really have to be humble during this lent this whole lenten season how lent really humbles us and i think it starts with that ash wednesday and goes throughout the entire 40 days of lent well you know ash wednesday originally started in the ancient church as the order of penitence in the early church uh the bishop used to hear public confessions in front of the entire yeah, congregation <laughs> and then impose a penance and put ashes on someone's head and they would be absolved on Holy Thursday. But then later in church history, um, confession became private mm. and people still like that symbol of the ashes and it was expanded to everyone in the church who wanted to receive it. Mm. So that's why in the Roman church we have something special. We, we celebrate Ash Wednesday, many of the Eastern Catholic churches, they don't begin Lent until the first Sunday of Lent. Okay. But the ashes are a powerful symbol when you think about it because it's coming to us right from the book of Genesis. When I just did a funeral today, and one of the prayers for final com- commendation is you say, 
we remember that we are dust and unto dust we shall return. And that's really the prayer um, that that we say at the funeral, but it reflects back to Genesis, that God formed us out of the dirt of the ground, but he breathed life into us. It's very humbling to think about that. Mm-hmm. It's humbling to think of our roots, where we came from, and the reason that we have life in us is God. And each human being is created in the image and likeness of God, but sometimes we we mar or we disfigure that image by our sin. Mm-hmm. So I think the ashes are a powerful symbol to get us back and grounded into the truth mm. of our identity. Humble us, but also get us to re- realize our true dignity comes from God, God breathing into us, mm-hmm. giving us life, giving us a relationship, choosing us, really calling us to be alive. And uh, it's, it's really a powerful symbol of death, but also of resurrection, because God one day will rise us from the dead. Mm. as he did Christ. Yeah. Wow, that's so beautiful. And, and you know, it's just a sort of tag on what you were saying is Lent is one of those times of the year when, when we're reminded it's, it's a great equal, death in, in itself is a great equalizer that no matter where we are, what our station in life, if, if you believe in stations of life, um, at some point we're all going to die and we're all going to meet our maker in the exact same way. It doesn't matter how much money we had. It doesn't matter how many friends we have. It's This is something we all need to focus on. And it's very easy for us who have busy lives and a lot going on and things that we think are important to protect to have that moment of where we just sit back and go, okay, let's strip, let's strip all of that away, much like what happened to, to Christ during during Holy Week. Um, we need to strip all that away. And this is this is what we are. This is, And this is all we are. Forget about all that other stuff, um, which I think is easy to forget, you sure. know, um, and particularly in a time when there's so much stuff going on to distract us, like Netflix or <laughs> you know, or baseball seasons gearing yes, up, or up. or our kids uh, and and the spring play going on, and baseball, you know, mm-hmm. little league baseball starting, all that kind of stuff. It's so easy to be distracted, and Lent is this great gift to focus us back again mm-hmm. on our spirituality. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like so much comes out of Lent like I actually look forward to it every year I get excited a lot of people are like oh no it's Lent I was just on a retreat this weekend and I was like guys all the fun stuff in the church I, happens right you know I, know. I mean honestly oh, I live for Holy Week mm-hmm. personally I love Holy Week but in um, you know saying Ash Wednesday was coming up to at least my ministry that I had this retreat this weekend they were like what no like like dreading it and I'm like guys this is the best part of our church well, calendar this is great this is what it's all about did you remind them that they do get Mardi Gras before <laughs> Ash Wednesday starts everybody gets eat, eat drink and be merry the, yeah, the day before Fat Tuesday coming up exactly and then yes back in Ash yeah. Wednesday but think about it when you think like a lot of my childhood favorite memories took place during Lent. And I know mm-hmm. it sounds weird because we're talking about what a somber time it is, but everybody loved getting their ashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, while it may not have been the most fun thing to do, I remember, I still remember clearly my first confession when I was a kid and every confession I ever went to in school and mm-hmm. trying to figure out. Every you confession? Know, you remember every confession? Wow. I was, well, there a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I try to forget every confession. No, they're there. The, um, but like, I. Anyway, the um, but I remember him clearly, and um, 
and I remember, you know, being in the in in school and like, okay, well, which priest? Because there'd always be like seven priests there, and like, all right, I got to get in that line because I, I know that priest. Yeah. I got to go to this priest over here. He's mean. He gives he gives the worst, uh, mm. you know, penances. <laughs> um, but but those were like, I have fond memories yes. of those time, and the same way I have fond memories of things that we were talking about, things we can do like adoration. I, parishes in the past, and I don't know if you'll be doing it in our parish this year, Father. But you know, we would do like forty hours, and I would always volunteer to be mm. there like two a.m. 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and they've always been the most powerful yeah. uh, spiritual moments, uh, meditating-wise anyway, spiritual moments for me where I was just, oh, it's so quiet and it's so warm, well, slightly cold, uh, and dark, and I, I'm, at that time there was no separation between me and Christ, and, and it was like I, it's it, those times have never appeared in anything else, but they're incredibly powerful. And that's not to assume that'll be powerful for everybody, but mm-hmm. this is the time of year when we get these opportunities. Yeah, you know? definitely. How have you, as a priest father, have you seen people's reaction to? Well, I, I always let's start with Ash Wednesday again because I always it really always amazes me working in the church how everyone comes out for Ash Wednesday. Like everyone loves their ashes, no matter if they're a Sunday Catholic every Sunday or if they're just maybe on the periphery of being a Catholic and just kind of checking off a few boxes. But they love, love people love to get ashes. So Lent, starting with Ash Wednesday going forward, how it, how is it as you are a priest just seeing people's reaction to? this time of year? Well, I think Ash Wednesday is definitely a real day for evangelization. Mm-hmm. Some people maybe not, might not go to church throughout the year on mm-hmm. Sunday, but they know they have to go for Ash Wednesday. And it's not even a holy day of obligation. It's not. It cracks me up. <laughs> but they love that symbol for right. some reason. They love also getting the palms on Palm Sunday, which are burnt and then used for ashes the mm-hmm. following year. So It's a connection. It's an interesting connection. I'm not sure what the mystery is to that. But, <laughs> but it is good that when people are there, we have to make the most of it. We have to um, mm. challenge them and tell them the truth of the gospel. I think the the gospel on Ash Wednesday is so powerful because Jesus is saying in that gospel, he's talking to the Pharisees of his day, and he's saying, it's not just about externals. Don't just go onto the street corner to pray. Let everyone see that you're praying. Go to your inner room and pray. Mm. Don't blow your trumpet when you're giving alms or, or giving fasting, to the poor yeah. mm-hmm. or when you're fasting don't um skew your fist which i think mm-hmm. is kind of ironic because mm-hmm. we put ashes on our heads I know, I know. when we go to yeah. fast but i think we have to be joyful when we're fasting mm-hmm. i think that's what christ is telling us not to be real miserable you mm-hmm. know there's that expression hangry yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hunger and angry yeah, together yeah, yeah. and that's a shame that happens to some people when they're fasting on My ash husband. wednesday and good friday <laughs> <laughs> but we don't want to fall into that trap we want to focus on when we give up mm-hmm. we do that joyfully we keep it private. I don't like to share, for example, too much of what I'm giving up for Lent. When I was in Catholic grade school, the sisters always told us, that's personal, that's a secret, yeah. don't tell other people, that's between you and God. And God rewards you for that. You mm-hmm. know, when you keep that between you and God and you go to your inner room and you pray and you don't have to make a big show, but Christ is always looking at our hearts, what's going on inside of us. That's where the transformation, the change mm-hmm. should be happening. And, and the best Lent is if we can challenge ourselves, and if I can challenge people who come on Ash Wednesday to consider that, that it's not just that external of the ashes on our foreheads, but what's going on inside our hearts? Are we giving our hearts more to God? Are we loving others in our lives more and more? That, that's the true challenge. Yeah, that's yeah. really great advice for everybody, for sure. I'm curious, in, in your own priesthood, you don't have to tell me what you're giving up for Lent, but <laughs> um, like, what do you do to sort of spiritually prepare and spiritually live through 
Lent. I mean, I know what lay people do as a general rule. We, you know, we're fighting our our whims to go binge watch Netflix or something. But what about you? How do you how do you handle the preparation of Lent? You know, I think a good Lent is one that you think through and you have a plan for. Some people they hold off. They don't know what they're going to give up, and they 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 wait, and then they end up doing nothing. But I think even now, before Ash Wednesday, we're we're here on Monday before Ash Wednesday, um, I'm already starting to think, what am I going to do to make the most of Lent? Mm-hmm. And I think if you don't have a plan, it doesn't happen. Yeah. If you don't put time on your schedule for God, it's not going to happen. Sometimes people think of whatever leftover time I have, I'll give that to God. But if you make God the priority, number one, and all the other events in your schedule are around that, that's going to be a great Lent. Yeah. So I think that's what I, I try to challenge myself when I get up in the morning and think about what's coming up in the in the week ahead, the month ahead, the 40 days of Lent. I really want to plan well. And even I think it's a, it's a good rule of thumb when going into confession. There's so many people that go online for confession during the season. And um, some people aren't well prepared. I think it's good to take an inventory of your life, make a good examination of conscience, be well prepared. Think about what have you done since your last confession? What do you need to bring to God for healing? I think all of that is key, just uh, being thoughtful, being conscious of what we're entering into. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. And that really goes for anything in life, being prepared, but especially in the spiritual life. I mean, we're talking about our souls here at stake, so mm-hmm. we would really want to be prepared and to go deeper and, and to get the most out of it. That makes total sense. Sure. Otherwise, we just stay on the surface. It's mm-hmm. all superficial. We're checking off things, but it doesn't make an impact on the mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. You know? I'm curious, Father. Do, you know, um, confession for a lot of people, even for longtime Catholics, can be very frightening. And I have a hard time sort of, personally, I have a hard time explaining and encouraging people to go to confession. I mean, don't get me wrong, I encourage everyone to go to confession, but I have very little success in encouraging people to go to confession. For those who might be still frightful about that, like, how can you encourage them? How can I encourage them to, to go to confession? I think people have to just go in with courage and know that the priest is there as God's representative to offer them reconciliation, to offer them a new beginning, encourage them. We're there not to um, put you down or judge you or anything like that, but to encourage you and help you to receive God's mercy. And I'll tell you, when I listen to confessions, I'm not thinking, oh, this person is so horrible or bad. I'm thinking, wow, what a great thing that this person is able to own up to the sinfulness in their life. The Holy Spirit led them here, and they're making this um, courageous choice to name their sins to another human being to come before God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to be my savior. And they just open their hearts. It's it's moving. It's powerful. It's very humbling for me to be there listening to confessions and um, offering that absolution and being that instrument to be able to um, see someone begin a new life. And I think that should be enough um, reason for people to have joy about the sacrament, what a great gift it is mm-hmm. that Christ gave us. And to actually hear the words, I absolve you. We yeah. don't have to guess. Yeah. We don't have to wonder. Right we there. know that no sin is too big. Uh, you should never hold anything back. You should be completely honest. The priest can never uh, repeat what he hears in confession. 
and he's just there as God's representative to tell you you're forgiven. So why be afraid? God knows everything mm-hmm. about you already. Yeah. So we're, we're not fooling anyone but ourselves mm-hmm. if we hold something back. That is true. Yeah. Very true. That's probably the best explanation I've ever that heard, actually. Great. I can't wait to keep listening to this. Now, anytime you forget it, we just play this yeah. podcast back to... Well, that's what I... You know, it's funny. It's I tell people, you know, not necessarily related to confession, but when they're they're having troubles with something yeah. that it's, it's it's a sign of courage on their part to, to come forward and hadn't never thought of that in the, yeah. the confessional but that's really true and i always think too the graces that come from it you know what do you got to lose you got graces to gain so you know, go and you're going to feel so much better i again working in youth ministry i see the youth come out and i always say you're glowing you're like a little saint right now and they get <laughs> even happier then because they're already yeah. they're ready i mean you could see it in their whole face that it just their whole demeanor has changed after leaving confessions and and then you say that and you just pump them up more but they realize yeah there's something different here there's an extra joy that was not present before in my life and now right. is because this weight of sin has been removed which goes back to what lent is all about about jesus dying on the cross for our sins and giving us that hope of heaven which we were able to obtain by getting mortal sin off of our souls and some of the scriptures language talking about the way god forgives is powerful too as far as the east is from the west infinite Infinite. distance god forgives that sin Mm -hmm. and god who's all-knowing it says you know we as human beings we can forgive but we don't forget but god who knows all things chooses to forget the sin Mm. yeah and that that's how merciful and powerful our god is yeah. yeah, and and you know that some people have, it's been a long time since they've been to confession, and they, I think they get it makes them even more nervous to go. You know, uh, one of our other talking Catholic uh, YouTube hosts, uh, Donna Otavio Brent, she's she's talked about this publicly, and so I'll name check her in this. Um, that it was it, there was a thirty year break at one point in her life between between confessions, and you know she looks back on her, that thirty years and she goes, "What was I thinking?" It's like, why why didn't I avail myself of this uh, so many years ago? But I think it's over like the last eight or ten years she's been going regularly and, and she's a changed woman because of it. It's, it's sort of brought her back on a path to a stronger spiritual nature nature and she's so very happy about it now she's one of our greatest advocates yeah. as uh, for, for the Catholic like the faith St. Paul you know just yeah. that major conversion and what it does and then what God is able to do with that person because their openness to the Lord and their freedom from sin sure yeah the um, so is there is there a pattern to the first to, to to these seven weeks? You know, during Advent we talk about how it, the first couple of weeks are actually quite grim mm-hmm. of of Advent, and, and then the pink candle, and then you get the pink <laughs> candle, and everything sort of, sort of lightens up again. Does Lent have that sort of a process as well? Actually, it's interesting if you look into the lectionary. You know, in the Catholic Church we have a three year lectionary, mm-hmm. so we have um, many different readings and variety of readings in the three years of the Church, but this year we're in year A, which is a special year for Lent. These go back to the most ancient readings that were used in the Roman church. And it's really about um, purification and enlightenment that comes to us through Christ. Always on the first Sunday of Lent, you'll hear Christ's temptation by the devil. And you'll hear different versions of that on the first Sunday of Lent, depending on what year we're in. But in year A of the lectionary, which we're in this year, Uh, We're going to be going through listening to stories about Jesus's transfiguration, and that's teaching us that Christ is 100% God, 100% man, and his divinity is shining forth. And this was an important thing to remember before Christ went into his suffering, to keep in perspective who he actually is. And it shows a little glimmer of the resurrection that's coming. Mm. Then we go forward and we're going to hear stories about Jesus's interactions with different people that he healed, 
um, dramatic life-changing experiences. For example, Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and how he dialogues with her, he challenges her, he knows about her life, and she has that conversation with him. And she becomes a disciple and starts telling everyone in this town that I met the Messiah. You know, it's it's really a great story of someone coming to faith, no matter how broken they are, they can encounter Jesus, turn their life around, and bring others to Christ. Mm-hmm. Or the, I think it's the fourth Sunday of Lent. It's one of my favorites. It's the story of the man born blind. Oh, right, yeah. And he comes across Jesus, and uh, Christ prays over him, and all of a sudden he can see. And people are baffled by this. They knew they blamed his parents. They said because his parents were sinners, uh, he was born blind. And it's their fault. And and he says, I don't know how this happened. It's like a quote in the scripture. He says, All I know is I was blind, and now I see. Mm-hmm. And he's telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all these people who are questioning him. But it's it's just enlightening. It's telling us that. When you encounter Christ, it puts your life in a new direction. Mm-hmm. And see, the readings in Lent were getting the catechumens, the people who were getting ready to become full members of the church. They get baptized, confirmed, and First Holy Communion mm-hmm. on Easter. The Scru- catechumens, the scrutiny masses, the scrutinies, right? right. Mm-hmm. They were they were hearing these gospels mm-hmm. to tell them about who this man, Christ Jesus, actually mm-hmm. is. What he does when you come encounter you encounter him and he changes your life, puts your life in a new direction, and this was like a challenge to the early church as it is for us today, to take that to heart and say this is how my relationship with Christ is going, and this is how he enlightens me, how he purifies me, uh, sends me on a mission into the world, and then we go forward. We hear about the raising of Lazarus. We hear about. Uh, Palm Sunday and things kind of intensify as we get into Holy Week mm-hmm. and the Passion of Christ. But I think those interactions, those stories that we hear are, are so powerful to point us to that basic question that we all, the challenge is to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. That was great. I didn't yeah. realize all of that. I knew some aspects of it, but wow, that was really great, great explanation of, of yeah. how these readings build. Yeah, it's fascinating when you look into all yeah. the history and how this was used from the early church mm-hmm. to today. Yeah. You know, it's, and which is one of the reasons why we like to have these podcasts is because it's so easy for us in this day and age to just sort of accept everything as rote. But when you, and actually this was part of your homily as my, for this past weekend was, was really, and see, I listened to the homily, uh, <laughs> was, that you have to take everything in context to really understand, uh, to understand our faith. And sometimes that context change. Well, the original context doesn't change, but our perspective changes over time. And we may not remember what, we may not fully understand why things were said that they were the way, like in your case, turning the other cheek. Uh, you talked about in the homily this week. I'm so proud that I'm actually remembering this. Um, the, uh, I am too. <laughs> I was just like, so is your pastor. <laughs> it's good. It's a good sign. I can tell you, I don't always remember the homilies. I remember that one. The, um, but uh, but no, it, it is important that, that we really understand more about uh, Lent and, and all the aspects of our faith than just accepting it as Sunday Mass. And, you know, Lent oftentimes gets, gets reduced to, you know, getting your ashes on Ash Wednesday, remembering to give up whatever you gave up during the, during the week, remembering that uh, you can't have meat on uh, Fridays. And as my mother often says, 
my chickens do not swim. You cannot have chicken nuggets on, <laughs> on which was a big problem and for my growing like, up. People always like, "Is poultry cow?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's yeah, me." That's right. Yeah, it doesn't. And but my my teenager brain never was able to get a hold of that. And then you know, palms at the end of you know for Palm Sunday. But it's so much richer, and there's so much more. And it's such a great mm-hmm. opportunity to really avail yourself. And I and I will admit that I, I I have been. If there's any success, it's that that in Lent I actually do. Well, I think it pales probably in comparison to what Carrie does and certainly what you do, Father. I, I, that is when I find myself drawn back to the faith just sort of supernaturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that has to do with my very good wife who is always making sure that we, we make it. You will find us at, at soup and, and stations, I promise you, and not just because I love the soup. Um, mm-hmm. But but it, they, they really are these great opportunities that I hope people will take advantage of. Definitely. It's a grace-filled time. Yeah. It's really, it really amazing. It really truly is, yeah. Carrie, what do you try to do during Lent? Um, every year is a little different for me. I like I said I live for Holy Week. I love Holy Week, but during the actual Lent itself. So, I actually wanted to ask Father this. So I I I always understood it as the actual forty days of Lent do not include Sundays because Sundays are a day. It's a feast day every Sunday. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do something that is within reason. But on Sundays I reprieve from that fast. I remove from that fast and and actually enjoy it on Sundays. So for me the whole Lent itself makes it very exciting because I'm like okay I'm gonna go hard but then. I still remember Sunday as like an important, you know, remove from your fast day because the bridegroom is present. Right? It's Sunday, sure. so um, one year I did Chick Fil A though, and they're closed on Sunday. So, <laughs> so that 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 was a year that was extra difficult. Um, so for me, I usually <laughs> I know right of course. But Father I us- told you planning is important. It is. Part of I the know, Never forget right? that. I usually try to do something um, that I do enjoy and love and give that up. So for me, Chick-fil-A was one of those. Um, But then I always tried to add something in addition. So something that I started uh, a a while back and I continue to do is I work at a church and we have a a perpetual adoration chapel here as long as you have the key fob, which I do because I work here and, and if you want one, you do. And yet I fail to stop in there as often as I should. Mm-hmm. And so something I just, before leaving work, because usually I never get here early, is stop in the chapel and pray for an extra 10 minutes before the Lord. And that has been very, very fruitful and, and really a big part of my trans- transformation during Lent to really deepen my faith. So doing that. So I tend to try to do kind of in along that mindset, give something up and do something more. And and it ties into the prayer, right? You said right. we have those three um, tiers that are were based off of the prayer, fasting, and um, also almsgiving. So right. um, so that that for me is a really big uh, thing. I try to, to fast a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. sometimes even if I give up, say, all sweets, you know, I'll also often deny myself something else. Maybe I like to just along the way. I let the promptings of the Holy Spirit also yeah. kind of take place, not just like, okay, well, I know I gave up cookies and cake or whatever, but you know, I really want to drink this. Uh, ginger ale is a treat for me. Sometimes I usually drink water with most of my meals. I really want to drink this ginger ale right now, but I'm not going to do it. So I let the Holy Spirit guide it a little bit more too. Um, I have to say, this is the you really put me into place when you said think a little bit more about it because it really crept up on me. I had my trip, and then we had a really large retreat this past weekend, and my mind has just been consumed between those two things in the last three four weeks. And I even sang it to them. We have Lent this one, you know, starts this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. And I thought, I got to really sit down and buckle in and think of what I'm going to do because I have not thought of it yet. I, we right. on, I sound like you, Mike. This is usually you saying this I know. This I'm, stuff. I'm the bad Roll Catholic reversal in the group. right here. <laughs> so but, weird. Um, but I will say the Stations of the Cross is something that 
I never had regularly as part of my Fridays in Lent. And, and I sat and thought about it the other day and I said, why? You know, because I was preparing again, my ministries help really help my faith a lot because we do a living stations with the youth group. And I was talking about it and saying, we're going to be taking sign up soon. This is coming up for Good Friday. We're going to have some rehearsals. And I thought, I don't pray stations other than this living station. So maybe I should do that. So maybe that's it. Maybe right now I just answered my question is I got to do pray the stations more because it's again, so the, great. The power of the podcast. The where power we, of the we, podcast. We talk through our things. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, Father is absolutely right. And I, I've always been a firm believer in you're not really supposed to make a big deal out of your sacrifices, even to the point of I've never, I've never really – it's always been difficult for me to sort of come to grips with even the ashes on my forehead. Like, do I keep them on all day? Do mm. I wipe them off? Like, it's always been a quandary because I overthink everything. It's always been a quandary for me. Mm. And nine times out of ten, I leave them on. But I don't think I've ever actually wiped them off. But um, but I've had the debate. But as we were talking here, you know, sort of in line with what you were saying, uh, doing something more just the other day, I was I was thinking about Lent ahead of time. And, um, Bravo! And, <laughs> the rarity, Carrie, I assure you. And I realized, you know, I work, this is actually going to come out making me look bad. Um, <laughs> I, I work next to the cathedral. The cathedral is literally across the alleyway from my, apar- I, from my apartment, from my office. I look out at the cathedral every day from my window. And I never go to twelve oh five mass because I'm usually knee deep in work. work probably. Yeah, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Fixing people's videos and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> just teasing. It's an inside joke. The um, the so I, my goal this year is to go to twelve oh five mass every day uh, for daily mass. That's awesome. As well as giving up whatever I'm going to give up and and father's absolutely right not making a big deal out of it you know mm-hmm. it's like keeping that stuff close to my heart yeah, so i'm talking on the podcast great... about it now but i'm not going to talk about it later um and i, and I hope people will, will take it and I, you and i are in unique situations carrie in the sense mm-hmm. that and fathers of course the same uh we work for the church so we have access to daily mass mm-hmm. very easily or or whatever the spiritual yeah, entities the chapel and daily mass as well but the truth of the matter is it's not that hard to find some place to go when I was working in Center City, Philadelphia, I it was a five-minute walk to the cathedral, mm-hmm. and I could have gone to noon mass at any time, and I simply was lazy about it and didn't go. It, it I, You don't have to be across an alleyway to, to do something. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I guarantee you somewhere in the diocese is a 6.30 a.m. mass if you want to do a yeah. daily mass somewhere. Maybe it's not There's convenient. even evening masses, too. Right, evening masses, anything. So, you know, uh, and it should be, like we were talking it ought to hurt a little bit. It yeah. should be a little bit difficult. You should get a five-minute walk, or you have to give up your lunch, or you have to do something to make this worthwhile, because that's really what the what the Lent is. And not, yeah. not so much the sacrifice of it, but reminding ourselves of the pain that, that mm-hmm. and, and the end of days, eventually. Well, you know, Carrie mentioned one of my favorite Blessed, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. And one of the things I loved about his life is he would go to Mass in the morning. He would pray the rosary on the train. But he said on Friday, he said, I repay the favor. Christ has visited me in Holy Communion. I'm going to repay that favor by visiting him in the in the poor and the sick. Mm-hmm. And he would spend Fridays going around, visiting the hospital, visiting those people who were hurting and needed, uh, they were lonely and they, they just needed someone to be there. Mm-hmm. And at his funeral, so many people, just the, 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 the poor, the sick, mm-hmm. all the people from Turin came to that funeral. The, the family was shocked because he did all that very low key. No one knew. He, no one knew all the good that he was doing, wow. but he saw Christ in the poor. So I think Mike made a good point about giving. I think reaching out to people who might be all alone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a phone call go, goes a long way. Maybe visiting even a relative or elderly person. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a Lenten way of giving. To work a mercy too. Yeah. Yeah. And to really plan that too, like as we as we schedule our prayer, schedule our visits to the poor, to the sick, to the the homebound. I think that's so key to encountering Christ in this season as well. well Father John, this was a great awesome. episode. This is wonderful. It's actually one of the most educational ones we've had in a long time. So, oh, Father John you. Rossi of St. Bridget's Parish in Glassboro, New Jersey. And uh, thank you very much for being with us. Thank, thank you, you Mike. Thank you, Carrie. And God bless Carrie, everyone. Thank God you for making too. it happen. God bless everybody.